Welcome back to another episode of Sharing Knowledge Series. I'm Kevin Vondrell, Chief Lending Officer at Westfield Bank, and your host. How can you prepare for personal and professional retirement? How have recent market changes affected how you should plan? Keep watching to find out. Welcome back to another episode of Sharing Knowledge Series. I'm Kevin Vonder, your host, and today we're going to be talking about retirement and succession planning. And we have two great guests with us here today, Gary Surak from Surak Financial Services and Mark Dorman from Legacy Business Advisors. Gary, why don't you tell us a little about yourself and, and what you do? Well, I've been a financial advisor for 40 years, family-owned business, started in 1957 by my father, and we're third generation, and we're out of Canton, Ohio. Great. And we work with uh, individuals and companies helping them figure out retirement. Okay, great. So you uh, provide us with a lot of good knowledge here today. Yes. Mark, why don't you tell us a little about yourself and sure. Legacy Business Advisors? Sure, Kevin. So I'm uh, president of Legacy Business Advisors, and we are a bit unique in that we are more of a B2B financial advisory firm. So we are from our business to business owners, um, really helping them get their hands around succession, transition, exit, and kind of post, uh, post work, balance, work life balance. Okay, great. We have a lot of experience both on the personal side and in the business side with us here today. So we'll, we'll cover both things. Um, Gary, we'll start with you. So when it when when does a person know they're ready for retirement? Boy, that's a that's an interesting <laughs> yeah. question because it's all over the place. It's not a set time. And I've had people come in at 50 and say, I want to retire. People come in at 70 that I don't want to retire. It's really a bouncing ball. Yeah. And everybody has their own thoughts about it. And sure. So I, I think the real demographic is if they're retiring from something because they don't like it, that's a good time to make the move as long as they have something to retire to. No, that's a good point. Mark, anything you want to add to that? You know, recent events have caused people to maybe accelerate their retirement you know, beyond and, and, and it come up a lot earlier than they would have originally intended because you've got an inflated stock market and people have realized that, geez, maybe I am better prepared than I thought I was and I'd like to move on to something else. Oh. So is retirement, is, is that for everyone, Gary? No, definitely not. There are so many people that don't have any plan for retirement. I, I tell people they spend more time figuring out their vacation for two weeks than the next 26 years of their life. Yeah. It's so those people have some serious work to do before they retire because my history and my experience is bad things happen if you don't have that figured out. No. Mark, what about you? Anything you want to add on? Uh, I don't think retirement's for everybody, no. I mean, yeah. I think more and more people, if you can find something you're passionate about, what's, what's the old saying? You'd never work another day in your life, right? So, no. you know, trying to fill in your day's events. I've got friends that recently retired that are quite bored and kind of reevaluating that they want to go back to work. No. Um, as I, as I think about those those individuals, all of them traveled a lot, so they just kind of really got fed up with that, and now they're saying, hey, maybe there's another chapter in my life here. So it's a, it's a time for self-reflection, evaluation, et cetera. So, no, you're right. You know, like there, There's a lot to retirement. There's there's financial, there's emotional, and then there's the social aspect mm -hmm. of that that really everyone has to plan around and, and think about when they, mm -hmm. when they go to retire. And it's really why I wrote my book, How to Retire and Not Die, because uh, people around me, and I don't know if you had the same thing, Mark, but all of a sudden, if they have nothing going on, 
they're bored and then bad things start happening and it's it, it got very disturbing to me so, so the person knows that they're they're, they're ready to retire um, you know like they're in the right place emotionally financially they think they have a good plan socially I mean, how, how do they go about doing that what's important for that individual what should they have in their in their toolkit per se you know it's funny I the second part of the book title is the uh, the three P's that will keep you young okay and and the three P's are purpose passion and a plan and and you hit them right on the head because it's one thing and, and I use purpose as what you do for other people sure. and passion what you do for yourself and then a plan is you got to have a plan because if you have those first two and you don't have a plan eh, you sit around doing nothing and so I, I think it's really critical that you sit down and really figure out what your life is going to look like because all of a sudden you got seven days a week off. What are, what are some advisors that people should be thinking about as they're, as they're planning for retirement? Well, certainly a good accountant, right? If you own a business, it's going to be critical. Uh, good legal representation, um, a good financial advisor. But I think you need an advisor that really understands the ins and outs of how businesses work, how they're valued, uh, how they're liquidated or sold or transitioned. Uh, and then I would you think in one of the new professions that are out there are exit planning advisors, right? So people that can kind of orchestrate and quarterback the entire team based upon your objectives. Yeah. I know a lot of times people wake up and they think, boy, I'm going to retire. I'm going to retire at the end of the year or in, in 60 days, 90 days or, or, or whatever. I mean, how much time do they really have to plan for, for that event and, and, and really to be successful um, through retirement? It's one of those big problems because, again, I, and I wasn't kidding, I mean, literally I have clients spend way more time on their vacation than the next yeah. phase of their life. So what do you do? And, and I think they really have to take it serious because it's not something that's going to fill its own void. It just doesn't work that way. So I'm a big fan of having three things to do a day. And if you just have three activities that you can do in a day, three things that you can check off your list, that, that gives you some fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I would add, it, it's a very complicated issue, right? That's yeah. why you need to plan. Yes. Right? But to your point, most people don't. They kick the can down the road, yeah. particularly business owners. But you know, the fact of the matter is many of us will be reti retired longer than we will have worked, right? So if I retire at 60 and the average life expectancy is 87 or 90, I could be retired 30 years. I've only worked maybe 30, 35 years, not only, but... Uh, so it's kind of a more of a midpoint in your life rather than the end, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you really have to factor in, you know, various economic cycles, various cycles of what your life's going to look like, what am I going to do with my time, etc. And it's just not like a hard line on the sand and boom, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm out and I'm going to retire. It's just it's not that easy. Yeah. And, and preparing for retirement almost starts when you get enter the workforce, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's so important to start building the, those assets up so that you can retire successfully. Is there any suggestions or ideas to, to give to our viewers on, on that? Well, well, I mean, certainly, uh, you know, you got to begin saving as soon as you start working, right? Yeah. But that's easier said than done. But developing those good habits, to your point, uh, certainly companies that sponsor 401k plans or retirement plans fully taking full advantage of the ability to defer money pre-tax, the ability to maximize the match and get you know, high rates and guaranteed rates of return on your money. Um, and then one of the big things that we're, we're key on, uh, key factors in our, our planning process is increasing savings rates 1% a year with just within your 401k plan. So I did that five years in a row. I might start out saving 5% of my money, but five years later I'm saving 10%. But I did it kind of, you know, inch by inch. So it wasn't that difficult, but yet it makes 
tremendous amount of difference when you're at the end of, end of the sure. line. That's a great strategy. We, we do the same thing. And, and you really want to encourage people to just push a little more aside because down the road it's going to come out where they really need that money. And that's just there's no other way to get it. You've got to sure. put it aside. And you take advantage of everything you can take advantage of with your company. Oh, oh great answers. Um, I know a lot of times we'll help, uh, we'll, we'll put on seminars for, for students. And that's the biggest thing that we try to encourage them or educate them on is, is do it as soon as possible. It's just the power of compounding. Mm -hmm. And if someone starts out when they're 25 and they plan to retire at 65 in 40 years, like what are they gonna have at the end of 65? But if they wait until they're 45 and start saving to 65, you know, I can ask them, so, so what do you think you're gonna have? And the first answer is gonna be half. But it's not right. It's 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 gonna be a third. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be a third of that or, or what? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key of as far as starting that whole process as as early as possible. And that plays into I mean, but that plays into not only how much you save and what when you start, but how much risk you need to take, right? So if yeah. I if I'm a late saver, I need to take be more aggressive in my investment selections because I, I've got to try to hit more doubles and home yeah. runs than I do singles, right? Yeah. So it's really prudent to start saving early and often. Yeah. It sounds easy, but that's what I tell my, my, my adult kids, right? Yeah, so I, I gotta throw this out to both of you, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your answers on this. How important is it to have a financial advisor, and what difference can that make for somebody when they go to retire? Well, I think it's critical, right? I mean, obviously that's the profession that we've both chosen. Um, it's been demonstrated to be, be, be critical. I mean, Vanguard's done studies of you know, if you take similar rates of return with an advisor involved, even with a fee, you will outperform a non-advised uh, uh, investment plan, a, a, an overall plan, because sometimes it's assisting clients with not making bad decisions, right? Yeah. When they call Gary and say, hey, Gary, I'm thinking about pulling everything out of the market. He says, hang on a second. And we've seen this before, you know, stay the course and mm -hmm. that advice will save them tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Mm -hmm. So the value is, is really immeasurable, right? And, and it's funny, I had a client call me yesterday and he said, Gary, I'm looking at buying this business. And then he went through the demographics of it. And, and after I listened, I said, you know, I really think you should re-examine this. Right. I said, you need to have a real conversation with your accountant. I said, because the math isn't gonna work. Yeah. I said, you're gonna spend more than you're gonna make. It's gonna take you a long time to overcome that. I think we, we add real value and I think we're important, and, and Mark and I have been doing this a long time, you can tell by the gray hair, um, but we've, we've been doing this for a bit. And I, I think if you asked our clients, they would tell you that, you know, it was good to have us. Yeah. So how important, Gary, is it to have goals when you're working with people? How's it important that you know, understand what their goals are to build out a plan? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I need to know if someone's retired at 50, 60, 70. I really need to know what their thought process is and what they're trying to accomplish. And, and what it's always funny, sometimes they give me goals and I listen to them and I think, yeah, that's not a realistic goal. Yeah. You didn't take inflation <laughs> into account. You didn't take any of the things that are really, and you didn't take market adjustments. I say, I think you need to really reevaluate their goals. And so I think it's critically important. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, what's the old adage? It begins, a good plan begins with the end in mind, right? So yeah. where is it that I want to go? When do I want to get there? What does my lifestyle look like? Who's going to be depending upon me, whether it's going to be parents these days or adult children? Um, and then really having an advisor that will kind of stress test that and say, hey, you've not thought about this or here's something you 
you need to think about no. um, and really crunch the numbers in a, in, a, in a number of different scenarios so that, you know, best case or worst case, uh, the likely case will be somewhere in the middle, but it always will turn out in your favor. No, especially now you're, we, we, we've often talked in, about the, the baby boomers, the great retirement, right? Mm-hmm. They're, 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 everyone's going to retire or a large section of, of the working population is going to be retiring here. And a lot of assets are going to, are going to transition to that, that next generation. How do you work with people um, to make sure not only that they have money for them, for themselves to live off of and enjoy their lifestyle, but they're able to help transition some wealth to that next generation. I mean, is there a process or a a way around to work through that? Yeah, I mean, we we work with people. We sell a lot of life insurance for that exact reason. And one of our principles is, listen, you can live off of your money, leave your kids your life insurance. That way it won't bother what you're going to do and what you're going to spend. Plus, it gives them the freedom with they're not always looking over their shoulder about how much they're spending because they know this death benefit will come in when they pass away. There's a comfort there. Yeah. Also that's, premium. That's, yeah, I mean, it's much more tax efficient, right, to do a transfer that way. But I mean, it all depends. I mean, I've got clients that say, I don't want to leave my children anything. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So this isn't my objectives. I mean, that's yeah. not how I feel, my wife and I feel. But um, to the extent that if that's one of your objectives, wealth transfer or wealth creation, whether it be for a charity or the next generation, uh, there's an there's a tons of different strategies out there that are, I think the, the tax the tax favored strategies are the ones that really need to be examined, again, to your previous question, based upon what their objectives are, right? No. And that's why it's another plug for a financial advisor. They need to be, it needs to be reevaluated because situation's gonna change, right? We all know things are gonna, curveballs are gonna be thrown at you, whether it's health or family or something like that. And you say, hey, I need to kind of reevaluate my plan based no. upon the new set of circumstances. Or recession, right? Well, correct. It, it is a moving target. There's yeah. no question about that, Kevin. Everything's moving, and it's always in motion. And the question is, some days it's a good motion, some days it's not. But you have to reevaluate, and it goes right back to your financial advisor. You know, we help our clients, as you do, reevaluate where they are in the system and where they need to be and what's happened. Yeah. And are they in a good place or not a good place? And if so, how do you correct? No. Let's talk about the recession. Like, there's, there's talks of a recession. Uh, well, there's, is, there, is there a recession? <laughs> are we in one? Or, okay. like, or, hmm. or is, it, is it coming in 12 to 18 months? I mean, that's always the, the, the question. But how will that impact people's thinking or planning around retirement? The last recession that I was in, uh, that I was working in, I remember clients would come in and they'd say, wow, I thought I had enough money to retire. I don't. I'm going to keep working. So some worked a couple years more, some worked five years more because the recession really set them back dramatically. Yeah. It also made them rethink about, you know, do they have enough money long term? I mean, they're okay for a little while, but maybe they really need to add up the dollars a little better and, and look at what they're spending. I think that this situation today is different than we had even in 08. I mean, we're there, we had a significant market correction in 08, but we didn't have inflation, right? So here we've had a market correction really lack of consumer confidence, but then you've got record high inflation, right? So everything costs more and your capital's gone down. So it's kind of like a double whammy, if you will. And our generation really hasn't experienced inflation for quite some time. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and that's a significant, you know, headwind for anyone that is in retirement, right? Yeah. 
So, and so as they're preparing for that or, or thinking about that, how should they adjust their plan or, or their strategies on retirement? Well, I just, I just had this conversation with uh, somebody in last week about maybe they should consider semi-retirement. And, and they definitely were ready to go. And I said, don't go. The money would be helpful. And furthermore, it gives you something to do. Why don't you reconsider? And I think we're going to see a lot more of that where people mm -hmm. will maybe not work full time, but they'll work part time. That'll help on the money side of the fence. And it kind of solves some of the retirement issues of not having anything to do. Yeah. I think you've got to examine what type of distribution rate you're going to get on your capital yeah. you know, when you file for Social Security, uh, how you're going to handle medical insurance, you know, in that gap yeah, between, say, 67 or 62 and 50, you know, some people want to retire earlier. So these are all the things that need to be accounted for. And to, you know, forget one of them could be, you know, a $20,000 error in mistake, right? Yeah. Just medical insurance alone in some cases. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's go back in time and pretend I'm 25. I know it's a hard thing to do, but pretend I'm 25 and I'm coming to you and, and I'm concerned about the recession. Like, do I change or adjust anything I'm doing as, as I'm building for, for the future? What, what, would you, what, what, what advice would you give the well, younger I've got audience? Well, I've 25-year-old kids or 28-year-old yeah. kids, right? I mean, I tell them that, you know, hey, right now when the market's down, you know, they're freaking out, so to speak, that their 401k account's down. But yet I tell them everything's on sale. You're not retiring tomorrow. Yeah. You'd be more concerned if you were my age. And I'm not that concerned, right? Um, but I would save as much as I can and then more, right, until it hurts a little bit. Because whatever I take out of your paycheck, you'll, you'll, you won't miss after a while. Um, and that there's a lot of comfort. I mean, I tell my kids that there's a lot of comfort that we were good savers when we were younger. And that's really put us in a position to feel financially secure and not have the anxiety that I imagine a lot of people do as they kind of look towards retirement. Yeah. And you get dollar cost averaging advantage. Yeah. I mean, tremendous advantage right now as the market has kind of folded the wrong way. You're buying, again, on sale. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great time. So the fact that you're doing that over a period of time uh, to me, it's hard to believe this isn't an opportunity. How often should an individual evaluate their plan or review it and look at it? Like, is it something you do annually? Do you I would say annually, okay. at least, yeah. I mean, certainly this year, I mean, if you're not, if you haven't looked or you haven't visited with an advisor this year, you're really doing yourself a disservice because you've got, you know, interest rates of, I mean, you know, firsthand as a banker, I mean, yeah. they've gone up, you know, 125, 150%. Inflation is now at a record high. The market's down employment opportunities are abound for higher wages. You really yeah. need to kind of take a step back, call a timeout and say, hey, am I in good shape? And can I make good decisions to improve, uh, you know, the outcome 10, 15 years from now? Sure. Yeah, I agree completely. It's, I think annuals, in my mind at this point in time, mandatory. You really need to assess where you are. I mean, I have clients that don't even open up their statements. And I say, that's really not a good idea. Why don't no. we get together and, and go through these things? But they said, oh, we're just putting it in a drawer. I said, well, pull them out of the drawer. Let's have a meeting. And I, I just think it's good to know where you are. No. And again, if you plot this thing out, you need to know where you are in that plot. Yeah. Well, if you don't know, how do you know where you're at towards your goals? And worse yet, if you don't have goals, what do you, I mean, what's your plan? How do you, you know when you get there, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you know, as we were talking about baby boomers, um, you know, obviously they have a lot of wealth that they're they're trying they're managing. A lot of it's coming from businesses that they own. Mm -hmm. So as someone's looking to take or, or go to that that next step in life and looking to exit their their business, 
what's what's what type of you know, like strategies or suggestions would you give them as they're looking for that? Yeah, that's a great question. So I I think everything we talked about here was just say for your an individual that is looking to retire. But when you own a business, it's it's ten mm-hmm. times more complicated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, from the standpoint of you know, how do we transition out? How do we transition the business? You know, there's been studies proven that 90% of a business owner's net worth is tied up in his or her business, right? No. So, I mean, they were kind of, all their chips are in the middle of the table. And if this doesn't work out and they don't have a liquidity event, they're really going to be behind the eight ball. So you need to really work with a professional that understands not only retirement, but also business, business structure, exit options, and I think the first place you'd start, if, I, if it was me, and this is what we tell our clients, is you have to know what your business is worth, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll give you a piece of data that 98% of American business owners today have no idea what their business is worth. Mm-hmm. That's right? scary. But yet they borrow money, they plow money into it, they work umpteen hours, they've risked everything, their house is personally attached to it, et cetera, but they have no idea if it's worth a half a million, five million, or, or nothing, right? So- no. It's really quite frightening. So find out what it's what it's worth today, and then ask yourself, what does my retirement look like, and what do I need to close that gap, and how am I going to transition out of it? And that's a very very complicated ball of yarn to unwind. Wow. You know, it's interesting. I have the same experience. People say, well, I want to have X amount of dollars for the rest of my life. I said, that's great. And then we look at what their business is worth. And you could sell that business for twice what they're asking and still not have the money they need to survive on. Sure. And the reason is because everything they've run through their life is running through that business. They're not paying for anything personally. No. So all of a sudden they say, oh, I have to pay for that. Yeah, you really do. You have to buy your own gas. But one of, one of the funny things about it is once you give them the math and you say, okay, this is what you'd really need to sell your business for. I said, well, it's not worth that much. I said, well, then you need to keep working and doing what you're doing or figure out how to make it more valuable. But the math has to work for you, and if it doesn't, you're in trouble. So I found a lot of that to be, right now, a lot of that happening because of uh, current circumstances. No. So what, what's realistic timelines? If, if someone is planning to sell their business or transition their business, like how, how long does that take to, just to plan it before even executing it? Uh, I mean, experts will tell you the quicker you start, the better the outcome, right? Yeah. Uh, and the worst thing that happens if you're heading down that path is that you're going to have a, a better business that's more transferable. So it's hard to say, you know, if it's five years, seven years, but it's certainly greater than three years, right? Because a lot of times, I mean, we, we've got a lot of engagements over the years where the business is just unexitable, right? It's so dependent upon the owner. There's so much customer concentration. You say, hey, you can't really leave here because it's going to be a bit like a house of cards. Um, and you need a lot of time to write that ship and re- basically re-engineer the business itself or come up with plan B. Well, I sold one of my own businesses and literally it took me three years, right to your point. And the reason it took me three years is I had to have the right people in place that when I did exit it, they were there and it was yeah. valuable still. Had I not done that, it would have been worth probably a third of what I was able to sell it for. Correct. Yeah. So I think your point's really well taken yeah. on. Yeah. And then there's a lot of, there's just a lot of emotion involved, yeah. there, right? And then to understand and come to the reality that, hey, if, if I get, you know, X number of dollars from my business and I try to redeploy that into the stock market and it's declining and inflation's going up, then I, I might be better off to work for another five to seven years 
Uh, and I might not, you know, clients might not like the way that sounds, but it's reality. Ego too, that's a big part. Once that business is sold, then you're not the person you were before, yeah. at least in some people's minds. And they really have a struggle with that. And, and I've seen some bad things happen uh, because they couldn't figure that out. And all of a sudden they're no longer on that pedestal. Yeah, yeah. there's a great book that I would, you know, urge your listeners and viewers to finish big by Bo Burlingham. And the second chapter talks about a gentleman in Chicago that sells his business. And he came to the realization is, if I'm not my business, then who am I? Right? Mm -hmm. Because, oh, you know, the next day he was, well, Gary used to be a successful businessman. And now he's, you know, playing golf every day and he's not as active. And no one needs you anymore. No one relies on you. Your employees don't need you. And um, there's a bit of a self-realization that, you know, you get you get some juice from owning a business and being busy, professional, no matter what we do. And no. if you stop doing that, then all of a sudden that can really affect you know, your sense of self. There's a big, a big part of that happens. And the day you get that check and you think everything's cool, the next day you wake up and say, wait, what do I do? Yeah. So as, as, as business owners are looking to transition their businesses, what are some some ways that they can transition that business as far mm -hmm. as selling it or or transitioning it to the next generation? What are options that they have when, when, when they're looking to exit? Yeah, I mean, the, the natural options would be a transition to insiders, right? So people that are in the building, whether it be family members or key employees, uh, it could be something as broad as, a, as an employee stock ownership plan, um, transfer to a third party. So it could be either a strategic buyer or a financial buyer. Uh, again, those are processes that need to be embarked on in either case to understand your options, understand really what your uh, uh, true objectives are. Is it make the most money? Well, for a lot of people, it's not. It's really legacy in the community. It could be family legacy. It could be family harmony, right? And then the other option that we're seeing, particularly in this economy, uh, is continued employment, but elevating yourself to maybe that more of a CEO or chair person's position and hire some professional management. In other words, we tell our clients, why would you sell your best investment? You know, if you had three or $4 million from the sale of your business and you want to, as I said earlier, redeploy that in the market, you're going to take a huge pay cut yeah. because your lifestyle benefits, everything is tied to this business. So you really, really have to go through a process of evaluating and be radically objective about what it is that you want and you know, you can't project the emotion into the plan. You got to look at it purely financially in some regards. No. And to Mark's point, I, I try and get my clients to look at this and say, okay, this is what I'm looking for. But what if you could just do the things you love to do in your business, not the stuff you don't like so mm. much and the stuff you really hate? Why do that? Why don't you hire someone to do that stuff for you and just do the things you really are passionate about? Why would you sell something that you love to do? And, and so I look at that and I think that's probably the best answer to that question from my perspective. If you don't need to sell it, don't sell it. Just maintain your position, do the things that make you happy and move on. Okay, great. Now, you both mentioned a gap. So it could be a gap in what the owner thinks the value of the business is. The owner may think it's up here and the buyer thinks it's down here. So there's, there's definitely a, a, a gap there. Or it could be a gap in how much money that they actually need when they retire because you know, as you mentioned a lot of the expenses were running through the business and what 
they're going to net from the sale is nice, but it's not enough to maintain that type of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So, so what are some things that these business owners can do to help close the gap, whether it's in value or, or probably it's more in value and getting more out of the business when you go to transition the business? Well, so many people don't really know how to sell their business. They don't know how to prepare their business to be sold. And there's some really good books out in the marketplace that I've read over the years that really do a nice job of explaining what you need to do to prepare. And part of our job is to make sure that they're paying attention to those details. No. And sometimes it's cutting costs, sometimes it's just increasing sales, sometimes it's reducing your margin so you can have a much larger sales base. It's just different ways to look at it, but ultimately you're, you're correct, Kevin, you gotta have more value for it if you want more money. It just doesn't work any other way. No. Yeah, so I mean, you talk about gaps, I mean, you can have you know, a couple of different types of gaps. You can have an income gap, right? Yeah. So I need to make more money, but that's usually driven by a capital gap, right? I need more capital to generate more income or I need an asset that can, can do that. When you look at business value growth, um, it's interesting. I mean, again, the data's out there. I hate to be such a, an analytical freak. It's not my, my nature, but the numbers are, too, they just, they just, yeah. they don't lie. I mean, 40% of every bit, every business, has at least 40% of unrealized value, mm -hmm. including this bank, right? Yeah. As efficiently as you run, because there's always things you can be working on, right? Always things. So business owners typically, if their business is worth 2 million, it could be worth close to 3 million, right? So can we identify where those gaps are? And then that's part of the exit planning process is working on narrowing that gap so that when it comes time to sell it in whatever form or fashion, insiders or a third party, they, they're not going to look at it and try to discount you back to what it used to be, yeah. right? Because that's the game. They buy it for $2 million and sell it for four. Mm -hmm. right? Well, we covered a lot of topics today, and you guys gave a lot of good advice. Is there anything, one last piece of advice that you'd like to give before we wrap things up? You know, I, I think that it's critical that a business owner has an advisor that is assisting him or her in building wealth outside the business. Right? So if everything is focused kind of, inwardly towards the value of the business, you know, that's, that's like owning one stock, right? No. So how can we take some of the income today, send it forward either in some sophisticated retirement planning, maybe sheltered from creditors, uh, maybe build some wealth outside the business so that, you know, they kind of work in tandem, no. right? Passive real estate would be one owning, you know, business, business owned real estate, but not inside the business. It's just kind of laying all this out and really having a plan and having multiple streams of income when you go to retire. Diversification. Correct. Yeah. I second everything Mark said, but I'm in, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. It's right on the money. The other thing, and this is on the other side of the fence, I, I ask my clients to create what I call a wish list. Mm -hmm. And they say, what's a wish list? I said, it's all the things you wish you were doing, but you couldn't do because you were working. Write them down. And, and I would like them to start as young as they can, because when they get to retirement, they're going to have to figure out what to do and how to fill that life. Well, if you have a wish list of all these things you want to do, that's great. It gives yeah. you a wonderful starting point. The second thing that I would really recommend is they're serious about retirement soon and they're really wrestling with this, they should look for someone that I call a retirement mentor. Okay. Someone who's got this figured out that they know, they like, they can go have coffee, lunch, whatever they have with them and find out how they did it because they know something that this person doesn't and they're almost always willing to ask if you buy them coffee. Well, thank you both for joining me here today and, and really covering an important topic or topics. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Sharing Knowledge is brought to you by Westfield Bank, hosted by Kevin Vondro, Chief Lending Officer. 
from the imagination and creativity of Chris Van Osdale, Elise Love, Suzanne Favory, Corinne Wilson, Kartika M. Caffey, the marketing and communications strategist at Westfield Bank. Produced, edited, and mixed by Shark and Minnow. Learn more at westfield-bank.com forward slash SKS. Sharing knowledge and shedding light on the financial industry to empower financial freedom. The Sharing Knowledge series of videos, podcast episodes, articles are for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as legal, tax, financial investment, accounting, or regulatory advice. Opinions expressed and third-party information shared herein do not reflect the opinions of Westfield Bank, Westfield Group, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. The information shared does not constitute nor is intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any product or service. Testimonials may not be representative of the experience of other customers and are not guarantees of future performance or success. Bank products and services provided by Westfield Bank, member FDIC, an equal opportunity lender.